switching to more plant-based because I'm not, you know, 100% plant-based, but switching over my diet, my skin did get more clear, but I just thought, oh, I'm drinking more water mm-hmm. and I'm eating more plants and my skin <laughs> is doing great. But now in Italy, when I came home, my face looked like that pizza I ate and it was <laughs> quite a disaster. But I was like, you know what? Worth it. YOLO. <laughs> Worth every bit of it. I'm just going to go ahead and go over to Sephora. And uh, take care of that. But I did notice that my face did break out. Um, But even that was a delayed reaction. Like I said, my face broke out once I was back in the States, which was at least a week later. Welcome to The Jealous Vegan, a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. I'm Jennifer Hunley co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Voice. Today we are joined by April Cunningham, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, health and life coach, also known as The Influencer. Lisa Carter, founder of Kinetic Fitness, also known as The Balancer. So we went to Europe, better part of three weeks, bits and pieces, and uh, we, well, at least some members of the team, ate their face off, I'm looking at Lisa, and other members of the team, well, we all have dairy intolerance, and then Jen, you have a gluten, and so it was so interesting to travel abroad and see if those allergies exist across the Atlantic. So I don't recommend that people who have severe allergies try this, but because all of us have um, discomfort, you know, we won't stop breathing (laughs) if we ingest any of our allergens. We felt like, hey, let's give it a try. Let's see if it's the same here as it is at home. Mm -hmm. Although there was a moment like when I was done eating a whole pizza but I was like, man, I hope this doesn't have some type of delayed reaction or because I had like, honestly, a whole pizza and I have a pretty strong reaction to dairy here in the state. So I was like, if this goes sideways and this was, you know, a couple of days into the trip, I had had a little bit of cheese, but I just went like all in full medium sized pizza, ate the whole thing. And I did have a moment where I was like, if this goes sideways. What? I might be in a foreign hospital. <laughs> that might be happening. <laughs> Which, truth be told, is not that bad. <laughs> I did, in fact, go to a foreign hospital. Got the bill to prove it. Uh, <laughs> it was okay. It was okay. What yeah. made you decide to eat a whole pizza, knowing if you'd ate it stateside, it would have been a different experience? Well, like I said, we were a couple of days in. We had uh, been in Spain. We were out probably even a weekend We've been in Spain before that. I had a little bit of cheese, a little bit of cheese, but we traveled down to Naples, which is supposed to be like home of the pizza. It is. Um, and so we went to this pizza place and they didn't even, it was one size and it was size medium. And we ordered three pizzas, uh, me and my mom, and my friend. And um, that's what they gave us. And I, I was like, I'm going in whole pizza. It was, was it good? It was so good. Ah, so good. And surprisingly enough, and now I'm wondering if I have a little bit of, well, no, I can't say that because 
everything is just different overseas. And I do think that it's the way that they process the food because this pizza was honestly the equivalent of a medium-sized pizza. Mm -hmm. Toppings, loaded with cheese. The crust was a little bit thinner. Mm -hmm. Um, Blacking and salt probably too, right? Yeah, not too much salt. But it was so good. But I found that I didn't feel stuffed. I didn't feel like here when I eat a... Well, I don't eat pizza here, but when I used to eat pizza, I mean, a couple of slices and you just feel like, oh, I'm like stuffed and bloated. And I like I wouldn't even can't move. Yeah, I wouldn't even (laughs) consider eating an entire medium pizza by myself. Right. Uh, But there I didn't feel that way. I just kept eating. Mm. Just kept eating. I had a calzone, which I'm so jealous. Stuffed with cheese. It was so good. What's your normal reaction to dairy when you eat? have eaten it before. Yeah, so usually when I have dairy, and I mean even a little bit, a slice of cheese will do it for me. I get a stuffy nose, almost immediate flu-like symptoms. I have found the more dairy that I have, the worse the symptoms become, and they can be full-on flu-like symptoms, fever, uh, congestion, uh, fatigue. And it's pretty immediate, within usually 20 to 30 minutes after having... Uh, dairy so that's so interesting but it is like your body is fighting off a foreign mm-hmm. invader mm-hmm. trying know. to get it out yeah and like nobody, having the flu yeah like having the flu nobody seems to really understand or know what it is i had one doctor who told me that it could be from the live culture um in bacteria that mm-hmm. maybe the it's too much and my body sees it as foreign intruders and so it would treat it the way it would treat any other type of bacteria. But that was just a theory that she had. Nobody can really explain why I have that particular reaction because most of the time when people have a lactose or dairy intolerance, it's more in the gut. Um, mine is not that way. Uh, mine isn't either. Oh. It's respiratory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's those are the symptoms that I that I recognize. Yes, yeah. I think that there's probably some amount of bloating and um, discomfort, mm-hmm. gastrointestinal discomfort, mm-hmm. but it's not severe. Yeah. What about you, Jen? Did you try any dairy or or any gluten while you were abroad? I did. Mm. <laughs> Audience can't see your face right now, but that looks pretty. Uh, <laughs> delicious yeah guilty so, pleasure ah oh, it was amazing so we went to a few interestingly so we went to spain small uh, seaside town in spain in valencia and we went to italy um mostly in the tuscany region we traveled around a little bit within that space but um i had been to italy a few times before i'd never been to spain and i really enjoyed the food in spain even though like we went to the birthplace of paella and I'm not a rice person. I did enjoy the paella. But I really enjoyed the Italian food in Spain. And we went to this one place that was very highly rated in Valencia. And I got gluten-free pasta the first time we went. And it was just okay. And so I decided the next time I went that I was just going to get regular pasta. And it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, why am I fooling with this gluten-free stuff? I mean, I did it on a day where I was, you know, uh, in Spain, everything shuts down between like four and eight o'clock. So I had a late lunch. It was as the place was getting ready to start closing. And I knew that I could go back to our flat and just go to sleep if I needed to, because that's typically how gluten bothers me is I get 
kind of confused and really, really tired and I need to go to sleep. And so I said, well, you know, if this doesn't, if I don't have a reaction, I'll be able to get what I need um, by going, going back and going to sleep. You know, I'm on vacation. It's not a big deal. But I actually felt okay. Um, and so from that point forward, I would test certain things. I would, you know, I, we went to a, a market and I got some fresh bread. And I had like avocado toast with real bread, not with gluten-free bread. And it was so, so good. And I wish that I had tried more, you know, pastas and breads and other flour, flour-rich items um, while I was in that portion of the trip because the food in Valencia was amazing. And I just felt like, you know, I should have just eaten my body weight. <laughs> in bread and pasta. I oh, remember yeah. that. We went to the market, we got the bread, and we had the avocado. Oh, Jen so does this amazing, um, I, think, I think we discovered this when we were in the DR. You actually mm -hmm. put it together, went to a restaurant in the, at the beach and trying to figure out what she could eat. Brought, they brought over some gluten-free bread and she started to stack on uh, tomato, cucumber, avocado okay. with a drizzle of olive oil. And I've added, I don't know if you did this or I did this, but I started to add a little salt on top. Mm -hmm. And that's become like the signature so good. gen breakfast. So when at we home, could, I, I do add baby spinach, by the way. You add, Okay, you add spinach. That way I can eat it open face without getting my fingers all mm. gnarly. To the spinach on top, like absorbs the liquid underneath. See, logistically, <laughs> always working it out. Yeah. But I remember being in Spain and we bought that crusty bread and I'm thinking so to myself, bad. oh, this is, I don't know what this is going to do, but she wants to do it. So, okay, I'm going to be rolling that by myself then. <laughs> um, and she layered it on, did your thing, the olive oil. We found some good uh, native uh, Spanish olive oil. And I remember Jen sitting there like there was a party happening in her mouth. I don't remember the last time I've seen her in that much can I use the word ecstasy? Because it was just like, what's happening? Do you need to be alone? I was like a little kid at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> That's how I felt. Like, like I was like ready to jump out of my chair. I was so excited. Yeah. It was amazing. Because, you know, you don't think about it, but I was... So when you're trying to consume plants and not animals, and you have a, an additional challenge of gluten associated with it, it can be very difficult. And the fact that I'm allergic to black beans, right? So most places, you know, if they're, they're, their meat-free options will sometimes have dairy. Their meat-free, dairy-free options will typically have gluten. And if they don't, they probably have black beans. And so it's just, it just becomes difficult. And, you know, imagine going somewhere where you don't speak the language. And you can't, how do you say, I mean, I did, and I can't remember now, but I did learn how to say gluten-free or, I mean, without gluten in, in Spanish. And in, in Italian and dairy free, um, lactosa, I guess. But it just becomes it, like I just get tired of that. Right. Well, so like we talked about with Matt at the menu in the episode, then we talked about how difficult it is to navigate. Navigating without dairy, okay, you can manage it. You got to be thoughtful, right? But managing without dairy and without gluten. I and mean, without meat. I, I mean, I actually, and without meat, I actually said to somebody, I can't remember who it was I was talking to, and they were like, yeah, I just realized I have a gluten allergy. And I thought, I said, I said, like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> real, like, real full on sympathy because of my exposure to you, Jen. Like, and um, there, I had a coworker when I was a software developer, she has a gluten allergy. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm sorry. 
Like real pity. Yeah. Kind of sucks. Because yeah. think about this, right? So like if I'm out and about and I want to get a sandwich or a wrap, I could just get all veggies. But how many places have gluten-free bread and gluten-free wraps? Yeah. Zero. <laughs> very, very few. Yeah. Well, and gluten-free bread tends to be made of rice, flour, and have eggs and a bunch of other very many any that I haven't had mm-hmm. very many that are good, aside from what we've called out before that are made from almond flour and that kind of and thing. And they d- still don't hold up very well. But what we had in Valencia was like crunchy. It was it was not gluten free. It was not gluten free. It was crunch. It had that crunch factor the too. F- That's the part of it. Like it's not just the the flavor profile. It's also the textures we're used mm-hmm. to having with food that make it part of the experience. This the smell, right? Nothing like that real bread smell. The freshly baked bread and it's crusty and you know. For you, Leela, like the dairy, it's something about vegan cheese cannot approximate the beautiful creaminess of a good cheese. It just just doesn't happen. So it's interesting, though. It speaks to why was it different across the ocean, right? You could here it's you have one response, and over there, seemingly no response. At least not an immediate response that's that's used that's the same. Yeah. As what you have here. Now, what I did notice is when I came back, my face broke out really bad, which I noticed when I was eating dairy, but I don't think that I had attributed it to dairy. I noticed that uh, when I did switching to more plant-based, because I'm not, you know, 100% plant-based, but switching over my diet, my skin did get more clear, but I just thought, oh, I'm drinking more water. Mm-hmm. And I'm eating more plants and my skin is doing great. <laughs> but now in Italy, when I came home, my face looked like that pizza I ate. And it was <laughs> quite a disaster. But I was like, you know what? Worth it. YOLO. Worth every bit of it. I'm just going to go ahead and go over to Sephora and uh, take care of that. But I did notice that my face did break out. Um, but even that was a delayed reaction. I, like I said, my face broke out once I was back in the States, which was at least a week later. Hmm. Which, um, which is key. I want to call that out for our audience because sometimes we have um, intolerances, allergies that we're not always aware of because the reaction could be delayed, mm-hmm. right? For you, it's a week later. So if you hadn't, if you didn't know you had a dairy allergy and you broke out, you might be like, oh, maybe something I ate over there or maybe it was something in the water or maybe yeah. I'm allergic to America now. Like, you just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and and That's so funny. it's there. The signs are there. You know, I'm going to say it, that. right? Like, listen to your body. Your body's always talking. The signs are always there, but maybe not in tune with it. In this case, you were, mm-hmm. so you were just like, it had to be that because I haven't had the breakout since and I only used to get breakouts when I had dairy, yeah. delayed reaction. And the fact that your skin is an elimination organ, so mm-hmm. that yeah, speaks to, to okay, we just had a dairy overload and your digestive system was fine. In my case, if I'd had a medium-sized pizza, I didn't test it in Italy or Spain or anywhere else because I was just like, no, I'm good. Shoes. No, 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 no. I just felt like I don't, I'm good. I, I, I can have pasta and I, and I can have all the veggies I want. And the wine was good. Oh, and, and the I squid ink like was amazing. The squid ink, I mean, the paella, like I just felt like the rice paella, the paella style foods. Oops, mic drop. Sorry, audience, you hear that. <laughs> she got so excited. <laughs> mic just literally came off. Um, <laughs> so I, um, you know, I just didn't feel like I needed to, 
to test it, I was very happy with my options. And I could eat pasta, which, you know, I'm good. And I could eat all the veggies. So I just didn't feel like I wanted to test it. And my, my, body, my body is pretty clear. Dairy mm-hmm. is just not a good idea for me. So yeah. I just, I feel happy with that choice. And I honestly think that that's the sweet spot, right? And that's like the place where people want to get to. But for people like me, where like I'm still transitioning, I absolutely miss dairy all the time. I, I want to get to that place where I could travel or be without it. And I'm not, you know, I don't think about it. Or I'm like, oh, these other options are great. Um, because the way I ran for cheese was like <laughs> not natural. Not, it was like a long lost love, okay? And then I totally gorged myself on it. Um, and then I can, but what's funny is I had so much of it. And as soon as I landed in the States, not another drop. I just and, and, and I cut it off. Pretty harsh, right? Yeah. That like, I cut the line. I'm done with you. Yeah. I, we had a layover in Russia. Weird layover. Um, but Russia was the last place. I said, all right, if I'm going to have any dairy, it's right here. Because once I get on this plane, there's no more dairy once I hit the ground. Now I'm back to. And do you miss it? Coconut yogurt. <sighs> It's terrible. Uh, yeah. You know what? So, so a couple of things, right? First of all, when you think about Spain, in addition to paella, they are well known for two things. Ham. Ham. Mm, Iberian yeah, ham, yeah, specifically. Oof. It looked delicious. It was amazing. And manchego cheese. Yeah. Right? So, so Lisa and I, we, we jumped off the plant-based bandwagon. Yes. We were like, I wasn't even running guys. behind it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're at the next yeah. station. Right? That's, That's what Lisa said. said. I'm going to see you at the next plant-based <laughs> right. station. Go, go on without me. I'm, I'm staying right here. <laughs> um, and so we, we, so, so that was difficult, right? Now mm-hmm. I will say that I, I ate the ham, like the one night we went to that place in Barcelona and it was just okay. Yeah. Um, but pretty much everywhere else I went, I could do just veggies, but, not not keep myself restricted to anything that was gluten free or even dairy free, and I, I felt amazing. Um, the salads were very fresh. All the produce we had was like it came right from the ground. It hadn't traveled more than fifty yeah. miles, maybe a yeah. hundred miles tops. Yeah, I did notice that they had markets, but the markets were comparable to like a farmer's market in the States. I didn't see a grocery store. I didn't see a refrigerated section. I didn't see anything like that where you could walk in and get food that's been sitting there for who knows knows? how long, you know, in a refrigerator. I didn't see that at all. The market kind of grossed me out because they had like some of the meat hanging (laughs) Hanging from from the the rafters. (laughs) That was a little bit much. Uh, But at the same time, this animal probably died not that long ago. I mean, the fact that it could still hang there and not. <laughs> it's fresh. It's fresh. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't say that right. Oh, Poor man. animal. We're the sorry. We love you. Yeah. It's just crazy. Sorry. No, no I'm you know, with you, though. I'm with you, though. He's fresh yeah, yeah, yeah. enough that he could still and the be fish hanging too. here. Yeah, the fish. It's like on ice. His head's still attached. Yeah. Like, they just pulled it out of the ocean. Yeah. The, and the fruit still had the leaves on it. Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, it was... And when you think about it, in terms of meat, that's actually a really good indicator because, yes, once it starts to stink, you probably shouldn't shouldn't be consuming it it at that point. So for them to have it in the market, open air, you're going to know when it starts to stink. Everybody's going to know when it starts to stink and you're going to get that bad boy out of there. But here in the States, it's packaged. It's full of, you know, antibiotics and preservatives. We don't know when it should have 
salt. Yep. We don't know when it should have started to stink. Mm-hmm. And we, we pick it up and we buy it and, and we cook it. And I really do feel like that's the difference. Um, even in the ham, there was only one place I went and the ham... <laughs> mm. no good mm. no bueno mm. Mm. my limited Spanish mm. it's sorry to be offensive if I am <laughs> it either smelled like the animal just died or it was kept where dead animals were oh, I know that hurts me and I'm not even like an animal person yeah I'm not an ethical vegan never would be I'm yeah. more of an environmental vegan if anything yeah but yeah, that sounds terrible. I didn't really feel bad for the pig at that period of time. <laughs> I was more wondering He's, He what, lived a good life. <laughs> what the smell was about. Mm. I mean, it's And you're supposed so- to eat it. Like, I mean, uh, <laughs> smell is a part of what we taste. I couldn't do it. More so than even what we taste. So right. why yeah. was it okay for that to be? What's it? interesting is I didn't go to Mercado Central with you guys that day that you went. Um, but we went a few, like uh, three or four days later. And I didn't have that experience. Like I like like April talked about it being very like meat and animal centric. Mm. But when we went, I didn't feel that way about it. Like we went to a different. Market. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. We didn't go. I went on my own oh, okay. that day that it rained and yeah. yeah. So when I went, it was during the week. It was maybe on a when Wednesday or Thursday, and it was. It was, I mean, there were lots of locals there. I mean, it was kind of early in the day. And I just went to get some produce for our avocado toast we were making back at our little flat. But um, it was mostly produce and wine and cheese. Yeah. There were some seafood places and there were some meat places. But it, it was not the dominant option or offering for the day that I was there. Well, we went on like a weekend. You right? went on Saturday. Yeah, on a Saturday. So maybe that's yeah. just how the market, maybe the, they have more meat on the weekends when they know people will, you know, buy it. But that's the thing is their food delivery system, if you will, is a lot more deliberate. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that that market was very strategic in what they had at certain times when people were going to be there. I think there was also like maybe a holiday coming or something like that. Um, and they had prepared for that. Uh, and, and that's what I found most of the places. There was a holiday. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was a holiday. Yeah. Um, and that's what I found most of the places. They were just a lot more strategic. They knew what the people wanted. And, and so when you talk about ethical vegan and that sort of thing, I'm not against necessarily eating animals for animal's sake. I am against, of course, animal cruelty and how animals are treated and that sort of thing. But that's the difference, I think, there because the animals are not senselessly killed to mass distribute a bunch of meat. They're going to kill you because we got to eat you today, Bessie. (laughs) We love you, but today is your day and we're going to do it nicely. I hope they do it nicely. I don't know this for a fact, but it does seem like that it was more strategic and not Mm -hmm. just, we are just farming you to kill you so that people can just eat you or not eat you. We don't care. Like the industrialization of animals doesn't seem present there like it is here in the U.S. Yes, that was a very eloquent way to say it. Thank you. Yeah, And what I love too was that uh, it was very local. the Valencian oranges were available right then. So mm-hmm. it was like, you knew this was local. This was actually in season. It didn't come yeah. from, you know, some other part of the world on a refrigerated truck or plane in order yeah. to get here. This was right here, local. Yeah. What I noticed in Spain and Italy, because they did have more, quote unquote, grocery stores when we were in Italy, 
is that everything was labeled like from like if something was from Chile, it would say that. Yeah. It would it would indicate that it was from Peru or Argentina or some other country. And if it was from Italy or Spain or anywhere else in Europe, it would have a label associated with that. And so I appreciated that they did give thought to telling consumers this food has only traveled X number of miles yeah. by virtue of telling you where it was from. Yeah. Well, they do that here in the United States. If you look closely on the yes. label, it'll say from Mexico, from Mexico. Mm-hmm. California. Right. right. But, but, but the quality of the produce is different because I just bought some tomatoes from Mexico and just in a regular Safeway. It's right? like 2,500 2, to 3,000 miles from here in, in D.C. You can tell that they were picked um, prior to ripeness mm-hmm. and ripen are ripening in the store. Yeah, you can absolutely tell. Stick them on the countertop in my warm place because I live on the sixth floor, and it takes a few days before them to actually look like a tomato. <laughs> yeah, and feel edible. Not to mention, it didn't have any tomatoes. No taste. No smell. Mm. Right? That's you know, said we had the yeah. the Valencian oranges. There's a smell. There's there's supposed to be something that like seduces you and brings you into like yes, this is local. This is in season and right now. Let's have it because it's available when it might not be available in three months. Right. And there's yeah. a beauty about how the earth, even in specific locations, how the earth continuously provides food that's different for the season. Mm-hmm. You always have something, yeah. but not always the same. It speaks yeah. to the variety that's available. How beautiful that is. I, we have a tendency to, at least I do, I think I'm probably not alone in this. It's like, I want the t- I want tomatoes all year round. Well, what if tomatoes are not available all year not round? Not in season, right. I, I, I want uh, I, pineapples I all year round. I don't, I don't care that they are actually mm. not native to this area and have to be shipped in mm. from somewhere, Costa Rica. Cucumbers, avocado. Right. Like, so, so uh, coming out of the trip, I absolutely said, I need to know what's in season. I need to know what are the fruits and vegetables in each season so that I can buy accordingly. And maybe I should curtail my, my interest in or purchase of items that are outside of season because mm-hmm. awareness. I do want to eat more locally. Um, but in this country, it's much easier to be disconnected. Yeah. From where our food comes from. Yeah. I actually prefer included. I prefer to be one step removed. Like I don't want the <laughs> I don't want the pig hanging from the rafters <laughs> in the market. I want to be one or two steps removed from how it actually, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever its last moments were. Yeah. I don't want to know. Yeah. I I want it later. Yeah. But the problem is that you when you get removed, um, you don't know if it's sustainably harvested, if it's a produce, yeah. and you don't know if it was treated humanely. True. Yeah. And that's part of the problem is that there's this industrialized, excuse me, way of producing our food that is not, it's not nice to the earth. It's not nice to the animals that we are eating and consuming. It's not nice to us, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's part of the problem. Even though yeah, I hear you say you're not an ethical vegan, I, I do feel that for the environment, though, the evidence is clear. Plant-based is better for our environment. And yet, if we're not conscious of our choices and where they come from, where our food comes from, then it's easy to be like, well, I don't care. I just, you know, yeah, I just want pineapples. Yeah, okay, well, those pineapples came from Costa Rica and maybe pomegranates are what you should be eating right now. 
And pom- by the way, pomegranates are pretty good. <laughs> or yeah. let's just go to Hawaii and we can just get, bam. Or we even pineapples all the time. Let's fly private. How about that? But so I, so I listened to a podcast. <laughs> he is like on this fly private, private. thing. <laughs> I, I will say this. I will say this. Traveling. So if you listen to the episode Tips and Tricks where we talked about April and her teacups, traveling with April is also an experience that everyone should experience. It Not was, everyone. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say it was it was eye-opening and fun I, oh, I, I had a good time that's code for I had a good time. has eccentricities that make people laugh and are easy to poke fun at yes yes, yes for sure for sure um, if you go to um, my Instagram handle which is at jhoneyvoice um, and, and I di- I tried to do like a diary of our trip by day if you go to day five of 21, you'll see um, one of the vegan, quote unquote, vegan spots. Not even quote unquote. It was a vegan spot. And I went to it on a quiet, rainy Sunday when I wasn't feeling well. And it was close to the hotel. And I got like a salad and some other things um, that were really good. Um, but, you know, I think the other challenge of trying to be plant-based when you travel is if you don't speak the language, how do you communicate what you can and cannot have? as opposed to just pointing at something on the menu that looks like something you might want to eat. I mean, I think that's where a little bit of preparation comes in handy. Uh, Maybe there's some, I found, especially in Italy, that I was like, oh, these are some words I probably should have like acquainted myself with. Uh, Just, you know, mushrooms, fungi, Mm -hmm. um, just little words like that, which is funny because now I see them here and I'm like, I know what that means, but just little, I'm not saying learn another language before you go, but. Well, yes, if you can, you should. Yeah, as much as you can, just to kind of navigate that, uh, especially if you do have dietary restrictions, you definitely want to know how to say no dairy, no gluten, mm-hmm. uh, no this or that. You want to be able to say that in their language before you get there so that you're not fumbling around with that. But also like Google Translate is great. Make sure you have service on your phone when you travel abroad. Get a SIM card. Or or download yeah. the language. Because you can download a language within Google Translate, and yeah. that's helpful. Download it. Get a SIM card. Make sure you have service. That just makes it easier for you to be able to navigate on the fly when you have to. But we are in the age of technology, and everything is at our fingertips. So there's nothing that we can't really kind of navigate around if we just do a little prep. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what I what I wish I would have done a little more of before this trip. Yeah, um, me too. It's prepared a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. I, I leaned heavily on April's Spanish skills. We mm-hmm. were in Spain, and leaned heavily on Google Translate when mm-hmm. we were in Italy. Um, but I was just at mental capacity because of some other things happening in life that mm-hmm. I couldn't learn the language, and I wanted to speak French to everyone. And I did (laughs) successfully speak French to our cab driver the day that I went to the hospital. Um, She spoke Spanish and French and a little English, but we actually had a nice conversation in French before you came downstairs, so. That's a whole nother conversation, by the way. About language? About languages and why we as Americans don't speak any other language, Mm -hmm. and yet everyone else speaks multiple languages, and it's like not even a thing. That's for another podcast. Agreed. <sighs> but I, I successfully asked somebody if they spoke French at the airport. And then I was like, wait a minute. I don't speak French. So 
Don't speak to me. You're like, never mind. Just kidding. And she was so confused. She was like, wait, what? She was like, what do you speak? I was like, I don't even know anymore. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, speaking another language is good to try, at least, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's good to know something. Um, yeah. You're going to get profiled as an American anyway, generally oh. speaking. I didn't actually. They, most people uh, thought that I spoke French because they thought I was like African. African. Yeah, we got profiled. Sorry, we got profiled as Americans, oh, not yeah. because of not speaking your language, but because of our mannerisms and mm-hmm. gestures. We were in a hurry all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they that's yeah. the other thing. Americans slow are in, down. Yeah, are in slow a hurry. Down. Why are you in a hurry? You just sat down. Now you want to eat. Wait, <laughs> what color are my eyes? That's how they treat you. Like, okay, just chill. Just get into the environment and the space, and yeah. just it could be twenty minutes Calm before down. you see somebody, and then oh, and oh. paying for water. Yes. Oh yeah. Pay for water. They don't necessarily expect gratuity um, the way that they do here in America, but I think uh, it's more common than it was maybe two or three years ago. Yeah. I wanted to mention, so NPR has a podcast called Planet Money that I enjoy. And there was an episode that I listened to recently related to the E. coli outbreak related to romaine lettuce. But interestingly enough, the episode was before the, the outbreak in November, December. It was from the summertime. And it was reflecting on an outbreak, I think, last year. And it was explaining how romaine lettuce is produced in Yuma, Arizona at one point of the year and somewhere in California the other part of the year. Anyway, the whole point was the E. coli outbreak didn't come really from the lettuce so much as the water source was contaminated because of the cows that were grazing next to it. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to... I was wondering about that. I was like, how does lettuce get E. coli? Exactly. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Unless animals poison it. Yeah. Yeah. E. coli is in the digestive system, yeah. so it has to come from an animal. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say, for all the people out there who were like, oh, don't be vegan, don't eat more plants, because... Even lettuce isn't safe. Yeah, lettuce isn't safe because of the animals. Yeah. And water isn't safe because of the animals. And and really because of the people and the way that they choose to care for the plants. Uh, I do feel like mass production and mass distribution leaves a lot of room for error. We are out for sure, out of the era of craftsmanship and actually taking pride and in, in what you do and taking your time to make sure that something is right and it's so super sad to me as somebody who's in a customer service industry on both both of my jobs <laughs> um it's really sad because people they don't care they mm-hmm. nobody gives any thought to should these cows be here because of the water production when i was in tuscany I, we went to this vineyard and to watch how they we took um vineyard tour they told us all about the grapes and they test them all the time to see if the acidity is right and if not they leave them and if they are they pluck them and then they have this system where they put roses up to attract pests so that they don't attack the vines and they were like they said they actually test the grapes acidity every day they keep a log manual log and i'm like see this kind of like meticulous nature yes of what you're doing and the best wine. It was so good. It was good. You bought us a bottle. Yeah, yeah. it was really you good. Yeah, you're welcome. And the one thing that I noticed is like, we got a little, we got a little wasted on this little wine. Tour. Little tipsy. <laughs> you know, 
Okay, it wasn't our, disclaimer, wasn't our fault, okay? It was a tasting. It was supposed to be a tasting. Here in the States, when you have a little tasting, it's like a little smidge. They were legitimately giving out half glasses of wine. <laughs> so we had like six or seven <laughs> half glasses of wine. It wasn't our fault. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. So sorry. <laughs> and you know, they're like, you know, you try to have a little bit. And they're like, no, no, drink the whole oh, thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, drink up. Yeah. So it got real colorful. That was fun. Yeah. I was with my mom. She was like, I don't know if I've ever seen you like this. Like, what is happening with you? I was like, I don't know. This is so great. Life is so good. <laughs> we got to go next time, April. Yeah, we do. But what I did notice is like, I felt fine. I woke up fine the next morning. Um, and I think that's the difference. They weren't putting things in it to speed it up, to make it age faster and do all of those things. More naturally right. raised uh, or best. grown. Yeah, grown and, and cared for. They yeah. were like, no, we bottle it and this is the time it should be consumed and they take their time. And there's something to that. Even when you're talking about something as simple as romaine lettuce, if this is how you're going to make your money, if this is something that you you know, feel passionate about and take the time to make sure that the water supply is right. And that, and it's not their fault. You know, it was, yeah. I mean, real talk in the factory kind of way that we do think they do carefully look at the statistics of things. They're looking at metrics and that kind of thing, but it's, it's it's with a different focus. Yeah. The old world principles of how like wine is produced Mm -hmm. in Tuscany Mm -hmm. um, would, would do, we would do well to look at that and other parts. And I guess in other agricultural efforts but it's difficult to do that when you're up against the clock of we only have a limited period of time to grow this stuff and we're trying to make as much money as possible yeah right it's money focused can i just call out too since we're talking about good wine maybe we can get that label for the podcast for the uh, show notes lisa but um i found a natural vegan wine that's here it's called natura and i can find it in i found it in safeway i found it in trader joe's i found it in mom's my organic market um, it's really good. And I have tried biodynamic, organic wines. I'm looking for vegan. I'm always looking for right. things that fit closer to where I, I want to be. Um, and it was, it's been really good. They have a, a Carmenere, I think it's called. Um, and to Carmenere. the point, it's very, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. The place that I went to was uh, called Valdonica. And when I, when we went there, they were actually... It's funny, the owner was flying to D.C. <laughs> to meet with some people here to see if they could get it here. So I'll, I'll actually circle back with them and see if they deliver to the U.S. Um, and if people could order it or if it's available somewhere here. Yeah. Because it was quite amazing. So if you have a food-related allergy that is not severe and you're traveling to another part of the world, it might be worthwhile to test if it bothers you the same as it does here in the States, because chances are the reduced amount of processing, the more red- readily available access to the materials versus having to ship them and have them on trucks and boats and planes uh, will result in you being able to enjoy them, uh, even though you can't have them when you're here in the, in the U.S. And eat locally as much as you can. Also, yes, if you decided to go on this little adventure, take an EpiPen, just in case. <laughs> or at least some just penetrals. And take an EpiPen, yes. Yeah. Just Our disclaimer, point. we're not doctors, so. We don't even play one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> take your EpiPen. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening. 
Please connect with us on social media at The Jealous Vegan on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or at thejealousvegan.com and sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content to support your plant-based journey. And until then, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress.